Are you having fun in your business? Hey there, I'm Katie, the president of Social Curator. And in this episode, it was one that originally aired on the Earn Your Happy podcast with Lori Harder. Jasmine shares how she lets go of things that no longer serve her. And she gives incredible feedback as a leader and gives you ways to create meaningful connections to grow relationships. I promise you're going to learn something or maybe like five things from this episode. So let's get right into it. Jasmine, welcome to the Earn Your Happy podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so, I think we should do this every week. You know, we just, we need to make this happen. This is, now don't be surprised when I reach out next week and say, I, I'll say yes. I'll say when. I was like, let's walk the dogs, record a podcast, work out, eat a <laughs> smoothie we, bowl. And- we'll get those clip on podcasts and we'll just like, or the microphones yes. and we'll walk and talk. Oh, I love it. I, I love it. We'll this. have asynchronous podcasting. Yes. Yes. This is so much better for our lives. That's going to be better. <laughs> well, it's really good for our introvert lives. Like we get yeah. to podcast without having to be around people. This is amazing. While we eat smoothie bowls, it's going to yes. sound so good. Delightful. <laughs> it's going to be delightful. <laughs> I literally just listened to a podcast where it was Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and they were eating pizza on like eating it into the mic. So and were, I was we, like, why? were we about it or were we not about it? It was, I mean, it was a lot. People have a, a lot, lot of, of feelings sound. around people. Like I got a message for somebody who's saying, it sounds like you have a lot of saliva in oh, your mouth. Um, So it's okay to you. pause and swallow. And I was just like, and it was very earnest. It wasn't mean. This person actually signed it with their real email address. And I'm like, oh, they're doing the world a favor. Like I talk so fast, perhaps I foam at the mouth and you don't want to hear it. But like I'm podcast, I'm in my zone, bro. I'm in my zone. So yeah, people have a lot of distinct feelings about it. So I'm uh, this is where we're starting. We're going to make sure that we're um, like hydrating our mouth and like okay. swallowing the saliva. Yeah. We won't be eating pizza. We won't be eating pizza. No. Although I was like, you know, that's <laughs> like in an ideal world, I'd be able to record whenever. So you guys, if you're wondering where this conversation is coming from, we just recorded yes. three episodes on your show. Well, four, because if we include yours and well, then we right. had three other guests. So there's a total of four episodes that you and I put together for my podcast that you're be putting on your podcast. And then I have this opportunity to now podcast on Earn Your Happy solo just for you. And we're like all the reasons for us to connect. So yes. So we officially are like, we feel like we are co-hosts. But yes. I want to talk about that idea for anybody who is out there thinking about the I fact that maybe their job or what they're doing right now as an entrepreneur feels lonely yes. or feels exhausting yes. or they're not having as much fun. Yes. Because am I right that that idea kind of came out of you being like, is there a better way to do this? Is there a more fun way for me to do Absolutely. my podcast? Okay, Absolutely. tell me about that. So we launched the podcast at the top of 2020 or I think at the very end of 2019. Okay. And had been podcasting solo. So I'll do interviews and then you do solo episodes and we focused on three main topics. It's been good. Right. It's been great actually. But I also realized that I wanted to do something with somebody mm. and I don't necessarily think I want a permanent co-host. And so I asked myself, I'm a big believer in how do I get to yes? Mm. How do I get to something that looks in my life and is like, that's not a yes, it's a hell yes. Mm. And so I started asking myself, how might I have a podcast host without having to change the nature of my podcast? Without really having a podcast. Yeah. It's like, so it's like me and noncommittal. It actually took me <laughs> nine years to marry my husband. So I'm a slow mover. Leave me alone. Maybe in nine years, I'll actually get a co-host, but this is my slow baby eh, steps towards it. Absolutely. And so, you know, it, it, unexpectedly, after we podcast together, I had like a deep dive diagnostic with the team. And I said, there was something magical that happened here with me co-hosting. And so do you mind if I share that? I don't think I told it to you. No, I want to hear everything. So the magical thing that had happened was getting somebody to come on your podcast 
is hard in and of itself when you have very busy guests. Totally. But what we inadvertently were doing, we're having one person come on two podcasts, mm-hmm. The Jasmine Star Show and Earn Your Happy. So that was almost somebody having the ability to double dip. Yeah. And another thing that had happened had been this really unique way for me to get access to people in your sphere that mm. I would never have access to. So you went into your network, introduced your network. You've essentially vouched for me. Mm-hmm. And by osmosis, I became cool because of you. And so not only did we give the guest high value, double mm. dipping in their podcast, I got access to new people and new networks in new ways that I was really blown away for. Mm. And the guests that you had, Lori, all of them flew flew in. Yeah. Like flew in for the podcast. Mm. And I told the team, I was just like, there's something really incredible that people are flying from different places to get to Newport beach, which is not that easy to get to. And they found that extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I just felt like there was three big major things that I said, I loved this day. I Mm. loved this project. And how might we do more of that? So I want to say thank you. Mm. Um, I just couldn't think of a better thing. And I'm a pretty hard critic, like with myself, with my team. I'm like, how do we pursue excellence? Not excellence, but how do we pursue excellence? And at the end of the day, We like to work in like one to 10. You know, Mm -hmm. what do we give this experiment, this project? And I said, hard liver happens. This was a 10 out of 10 for me. Everything felt in flow. Everything Mm. felt organized. I think that people came, they really felt seen and known. Mm -hmm. And then us sitting outside and eating lunch with the crew, all of it just felt like it was in flow. And then I just felt so comfortable with you as an introvert. Mm. We got to the end of the day and we're like, hey, we thought maybe we'll go to dinner. We were kind of like, let's leave it up in the air. Traditionally, two of us were like, let's just put it out. We'll see how we feel at the end of it with no attachments and no expectations from each other, right? So we get to the end of the day and unfortunately, one of our guests got Mm. caught in the airport, couldn't make it to the end. So we ended up ending our day about an hour early. Mm -hmm. It was my nephew's last football game. I said, Lori, I unexpectedly have the opportunity to go to his last football game we're cool, right? And you're like, we're cool. I'm going to go eat dinner with the dogs. And I was like, awesome. I unexpectedly and, have the opportunity to go not talk for exactly, the Exactly, after the talking all day. And so to me, I was just like, what a really great balance of mm. like personal fulfillment, professional fulfillment, and then just deep diving with a person and a mm. human I deeply respect and I mm. love. And so you showing up for me in big ways empowers me to do that for other people. So thank you. Oh, I just, it was honestly the most fun day. I'm still reeling from it. And we don't even have the content out yet. No, which no. is <laughs> like, like we did, that was supposed to be the hard work part. And I was like, that was the really right. fun part. Right. All of these different, I've had a few experiences kind of like that. Not one that like, that was just a really impactful day for me, but it's making me rethink a lot of how I do everything. Good. Just like, because, let's go there. Let's go there. Like, what do you mean? Um, Just even with this podcast that we're doing right now, like how could I get maximum you know, value and also maximum like connection time and content out Mm -hmm. of all the things we're doing and make sure that I'm still in a lot of joy. And also just really, really making sure that I am aligning the guests that I truly want and not just because... Good. Uh, because what I did on your show is I only was going to book people who I knew the energy, it was guaranteed. Hmm. Like I knew the energy would be a hundred percent like, and then some with like the magic. And I think what I do sometimes on this show is it's easy for me to get caught up in like who they are or what they've done, or could this be good? Or is this someone that people want to hear from? And as great as that can be, sometimes it, it doesn't ensure that the energy is going to be great at all. Right. In fact, it's like more when I follow, oh, I had a moment with that person. I can tell we're going to click and it's yes. going to be really good content. So I think to follow that more than worrying about 
who they are. Absolutely. That was a big thing for me. I think the biggest takeaway for me was um, it showed me energetically what was possible. Mm-hmm. And in 2024, I want the projects I take on to feel like that. Yeah. And I'm like, I now experienced it. I tasted the Dom Perignon of experiences. And I'm like, if it's not Dom, I don't want it in my life. <laughs> and I know that sounds like, oh, how fortuitous that you get to say that. We all do. May we all have the taste of something to say, that's really good. How do I replicate that? And so thank you for that. Thank you for setting the bar high. And 2024 is like, it's getting to that. Can I, can I focus all of my energy on those types of projects? Because then I walk away lit up. People are served really well. And then we're excited about the stuff we continue to create. Okay. So that makes me want to ask you, what are you rethinking right now to have more of those experiences in your life for 2024? Rethinking the depths in which I go in the projects that I am involved with. So I think I am at my best when I am not 50,000 feet in the air, but not five feet from the ground. It's like there's a lot of times I felt myself uh, leading up through 2023. It's like, okay, high view of the businesses, what's going on. And then really, I would find myself in the weeds. Like, why am I doing this right now? And I would find myself so frustrated doing tasks I should not have been doing because I was good at them. Sure. Like, yeah, I'm great at looking at content and saying, hey, what works here? What doesn't work here? That is not the best use of my time. Um, I'm really great at going through outlining deep dive podcasts and frameworks, but that's not what I should be doing. I should be in creation mode and then giving the team the ability to go out and deploy against it. And I think I started testing with that. So this project for bringing on a co-host, I was like, okay, this is the idea. I'm like, I'll get the co-host, but I want to be out. I want to be out of everything. I want the co-host to curate the guests. And then I want the team to take such great care of those guests so that the co-host and myself don't have to do anything but show up on that day. So like before this, you had been a big part of that. Yes. You would have put yourself in it. Oh, 100%. Okay. Because okay. I wanted I that, that. I wanted that personal touch. I wanted everybody to feel seen, known, and heard. And then it was like I was putting myself as the most important player. And I'm not. The team is so much better at facilitating those things. And for me, now what I want to do is I want to stay really high. I want to say this as a CEO is what I think we should be doing. And this is what I want to do. So here's the objectives. Here's how we win. Here's how we know we're on the right track. Let's go team. And I've just haven't really dwelt in that space for long enough periods of time to actually flex that muscle. Who knows what 2024 is going to bring, but that's my new standard. It's like when I get out of the way and work with a phenomenal team, they get it done. Okay. So I hear such a theme of like how I like to run my business now because I did not always run it that way. And it really affects your mood and your well-being and your stress level and your anxiety. And I know that you and I have shared together that like we can tend to really have to watch our mental state and our moods and all the things. Um, Do you feel like that's had a major impact on how you feel? Because you haven't been able to like be in your zone of genius. Absolutely. In other ways. So what have you noticed getting out of that? Well, I felt like, okay, uh, the end of 2022, I actually wrote this in a newsletter. So I create most of my own copy, most if not all of my own copy. So deep dive, I feel like that is my place of power. And that's what I want to do more of because it's my voice and my thoughts and my frameworks. Mm -hmm. At the end of 2022, I wrote in a newsletter that it felt like life had gathered up a pile of steaming poo, put it in a blender, and then handed me in a cup and a straw and said, drink up. That's 
legitimately how I felt at the end of 2022. And so then starting 2023, I didn't even have it in me, Lori, to write down goals for the year. And that is like, for, I don't even know in it, like over a decade in my like career, not, not me. I, yeah. I love writing goals. Even if we hit them or not, I just love the idea, the practice of, the seeing of, um, what we're capable of. I love that. I couldn't even, I went 2023 without having clear goals. It was just, there's some things I want to do. I don't have it in me. I'm just exhausted from thinking about all the things. And I put myself there. I was flexing between the 50,000 feet and the five foot view. And the only way that I can stay in my place of power is if I stay above it all. And so then 2024 came back around of saying, I can control how I feel when I can stay in my place of power. And a lot of times it's just me getting out of my own way. Now, I know people are listening and maybe they have teams and then maybe they don't. And it feels like, oh, that's so nice. That's so nice for you to say that. Well, we have both been in times where we were our only team. And so we know that we know every aspect of all the things that we're expecting a team to do. And then at the time of this recording, my team is very small. It's seven people and we are tiny, but mighty. And I just want to remind people that you will never be able to effectively manage somebody without knowing what it is you want them to do. And so in the middle of you doing all the things, appreciate that at one time there will be somebody to replicate you or uh, replace you in that role. But now you know how to assess what do I need from this person because you did that yourself. Mm -hmm. And so depending on wherever you are in your journey, understanding your place of power, finding as quick a way as possible to get you out of things that don't serve you well, hiring somebody who's highly capable, and then really staying and doing what it is you do best. If somebody's listening right now and they are thinking that maybe they don't have the money for it, but they possibly do, what would you say is a good place to get started to start getting things off of your plate? Okay. I, I grew up very poor. And so money for me is this, it my, it's my emotional chew toy, right? So when somebody is just like, I can't afford it, I'm like, oh yeah, me too. It is like a default. Wherever I am in my journey, it's like, oh yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. However, when I started saying... I worked with a therapist and he walked me through this idea of a neutralizing thought where so often we want to say, I want to have, like, I'm going to be positive. I want to be happy all the time. I want to think that anything is possible. But if it doesn't feel real, our brain will not be able to sink its teeth into it. So let's say you're on a journey of losing weight and then you tell yourself, I love myself. I feel great. I'm amazing. And you don't feel that way. That is not a belief that we can hold on to. However, if you were to say, I'm on the journey of getting to where I want to go and every day I'm going to be focused on my goals, that is something that is true and real. So the brain and the mind get to map to those ambitions. So in the workplace, if you say, I don't have enough money to hire somebody, that might feel like your truth, but then it doesn't allow any other creative pathways for you to get that money. But if you say, I have all the money in the world and I can hire anybody, but that doesn't feel true, you're still not going to pull the trigger. So I'm going to encourage people who are listening to find a neutralizing thought. And that neutralizing thought is, are there things in my business that I can let go of that I know definitively I could pay somebody a reasonable amount of money to get it off my plate. And I am telling you, we could start off with three hours a week. Can you hire somebody at a reasonable rate? You get to determine what that rate is for three hours a week. Can you do that? That's a neutralizing thought. You're not like, oh, I need to get a full-time employee with benefits and a 401k. Not at all. You need to slowly flex the muscle of saying there is something in my business that I don't need to do. The faster you start abdicating those responsibilities along a measurement of I can pay somebody $18 an hour, but in that hour, I can actually make $19. The minute you could say that, pass it off. 
the minute you're $1 above what you're paying that person one hour to do, pass it off. And I think that has been pretty like mind shaping for me. Like, so I hired an executive assistant with the goal of God willing, fingers crossed, this person becoming a chief of staff. And I just think, can she bring in one more dollar than what we're paying her to take a thousand things off my plate? And beyond a shadow of a doubt, the answer isn't yes, it's hell yes. And when I look at, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. I always think to myself, well, well, great. She's going to become a money generator because I'm now free to do the things that are in my lane. I create projects. I create money. And the more that I'm in the weeds, the less I'm able to do the other things. Was that like a, for the shift for you to happen of, okay, let's bring some people in. Let's really let go of this. What had to happen for you in your head? Was it a worthiness thing? Was it thinking people couldn't do it as good as you? What was that shift? Oh, wow. Lori, we're getting into like deep therapy. Um, it wasn't worthiness. It wasn't enoughness. It was responsibility. I felt deeply. So a first generation Latina, first in my family to go to college, first in my family to go to law school or any postgraduate. And so growing up, there is a 14 year difference between myself and my youngest sister. And when I was a junior in college, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so we lived, and so I have a twin sister. We went to the same college. We were actually roommates. I know we're like those twins. And we found ourselves going home quite often because we were making dinner for the family, setting them up for the next day, doing laundry, keeping the house afloat while my mom was in bed. And so deep, like in those like really formative teen years, like I am a mini mom of many sorts, like taking my brother to basketball practice, coming back home, finishing work. I was a waitress. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. And I felt like you can't drop it. You can't drop anything. And so I think that people in college, if you had met me in college, you would see like a nice, high functioning Latina robot. It was like nothing is out of place ever because you're responsible. Mm. And I carried that for the vast majority of my life. And I didn't know but I was making decisions from that fractured place of having a team. It means I cannot let anybody down. It is all on you and like their jobs, their livelihood. And the undoing of that, the undoing of that was when you take on responsibility for a team and you say, it's because of me that you have this, you're disempowering your team. And in a way you're pitying their ability to go out and do something else. And so when you say, we're in this together, I'm going to do my best. And if for some reason this does not work out for us, you're so highly capable and talented, you're going to land on your feet. I am not responsible for your future success. I'm responsible for the time that we have working here together. And I will do right by that. And that was like a big shift for me. Oh, God. We, we I think we talked about this on your podcast that when you sign up for being an entrepreneur or starting a business, like it is the biggest personal development oh, course yeah. of your life. Absolutely. So what has been revealed to you? I feel like you're in a much different, more empowered place right now, which I've always felt like you were, but I feel very, like very dis different, fiery, purposeful, aligned energy from you right now. What do you, what lesson was like a really big takeaway for you that you're moving forward with over the last few years to get you here? Um, so being an entrepreneur, personal development, all those other things. I think that the lessons you don't learn find themselves repeated in your life until mm -hmm. you learn them. Yeah. And so I feel like, <laughs> and so I feel like 2023 was a moment for me to reconcile. It's okay to burn the boats. Mm. In fact, burn the freaking boats. And, and what so did there's that like, mean there's to a freight, there's a famous like quote, or maybe even it's a book is that 
When you take the boat to the island and you get on the island, burn the boats because you have to survive on the island. When you see the boats in the harbor or in the dock, it means there's a way out. You can go back to who you once were or where you were once from. When you burn the ship, you have to make it work. And I think that in my life, I was like uh, moving from one project to the next, right? It's a little bit scary. I'm like, I can kind of see the distance of a thing. And then I'd go over there and it almost feels like I'm a cat. I'm landing on all fours. I got this. Let's go. And then you get to a point and here comes the lesson. And the lesson was in 2023 is burn the freaking boat. You outgrew the boat. You got yourself to a different island. Survive here. And I think that I was in this tenuous balance of like, but what happens if then when I let go, what happens here? What happens there? And then all of a sudden it's just like, you're no longer serving yourself staying in a small box. And I had to learn that. I still have to learn the lesson, but I think that that was like the metamorphosis for me. So in 2023, my word of the year was rebirth. Mm. And I actually had to be reborn. I am a different person. I am a different entrepreneur. And I feel more safe and secure in 2024 with less clarity of the next big move in my life than I did in 2023. Because instead of having my hands clenched around something, they're just open, ready to receive. And I think that that's the energetic shift. What would you say to somebody who is, they know they're one foot in, they know they're one foot out. They know that they're leaving that window cracked and they left the boat there because they're like, no, no, if this doesn't work, I'm going to go escape over there. What happens within that energy and what would you say to them? Um, the boat is a facade. If you're straddling the line, you think you can go back to the land in which you hailed or the person you once were, but you've seen too much. You know too much. So you look at the boat like it's a ticket off the island. But when you get on the boat, it is covered with algae. It's no longer going to get you back to where you were. So it's a misnomer. So take the power and burn the ship. Because when you know you don't have another option, you make it work. And the longer you straddle the line, the more deceitful you are for your potential to succeed. Mm, that one made me cheery. Like that hit because that is so true. Mm -hmm. That is the most painful place, I think, for people to be is straddling the fence because you think you can go back, but exactly like you said, in my life, you cannot go back. You will be miserable and you will destroy every relationship in your life. And Absolutely. I think it's, you will blame it on them. Absolutely. And it's you. Absolutely. Yeah. That is so powerful. My God. Okay. Where am I? Who am I? What's next? Okay. So <laughs> that one got me. I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about what that has opened up for you this next year, because I know that you're working on some things that you, you're like one of the most passionate business women I know. Because I'm we obsessed. geek out, Lori. Like we talk, yes. like we are those people that if given anything in the world to talk about, we talk about business. And then like when we want to take a break about talking about business, we're just like, okay, but back to business. So yeah, um, absolutely. This is what we do. It's our love language. <laughs> that is why I'm like, okay. So first of all, you're so passionate about it, but obviously you had lost it for a little bit, but talking about getting back into your joy and into your zone of genius and really what that looks like. And so now we're there and you've created some other things Absolutely. that we can also come along with. So Absolutely. tell me about what you're moving forward doing that you're excited about. So as part of the rebirth process, and so to be clear, I am still an active CEO for Social Curator. We have other businesses. In 2023, it came back down to what arms of the business are not serving us and what do we need to downsize? Those are big things. I think I've always loved business, but part of the lesson, part of burning the boat meant divorcing myself from what the business is meant about me. And I think that as entrepreneurs, in a way, people always say, oh, the business is my baby. Like, I love it. And in a way, I can identify with that. But then when things were going well in the business or I didn't feel like I was being served in the way I would think, like, but what does this mean about me? And so I think that by being able to step back and being able to say, what is it that I'm 
really good at and what lights me up and what will people pay me for and how do I serve the world in my purpose? That's like a mm-hmm. traditional Japanese phrase called ikigai. Yeah. It's like four concentric circles in that middle thing. Mm-hmm. And I just spent 2023 asking myself, what is that thing? And I don't have a clear answer, I will say. But what I will say is that life leaves like breadcrumbs and the thing that you're like, no, 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 of course not, no. And then you ask yourself, could I experiment? And so starting 2024 with an experiment that I'm really excited about. And if we go back to 2023, I made the active decision to say, this is bonus energy. Hmm. This is bonus energy. I want to create something that's going to light me up. I want to serve people really well. I want to teach people how to make money. I want to have fun. I want to connect with other people. And because, shout out God, the other businesses are doing great that I'm not dependent on this thing. I don't have to put pressure on a passion project for it to work. And I'm like, oh, it was birthed out of this new thing that I'm going to have fun with. Bonus energy. I don't need to win in a way that I classify winning. I just need to do it. And whatever happens, I've won. That's the preconceived notion of what it will be. It is said, and so it is done. I'm going to have fun, and it's going to be freaking amazing. Now, to be fair, we haven't launched it yet. How do I know that? Well, you get to apply a label on anything you do in your life. And so if what we do, the projects, the business that we build, we think of this as a box coming off a conveyor line. And so here's this new box. I get to put a label on it, a predetermined label. This is going to be a success. Whatever I get from it, when I open this box, even if it's not what I expected or I wanted in this box, it's already a success. And so I'm putting this over this project. And this project came about in 2023. I hosted my first mastermind. It was very exciting. And I'm working with women who are six and seven figure business owners. And I thought we would be talking about X. And then what we ended up talking about a lot of was Y. Y was launching. How are you launching? What is the mechanism of launching? And I'm assuming there are seven-figure business owners and I'm like, well, you know. And then they would ask very, very specific questions to where I was like, wait, you don't know. Oh, interesting. I'm like, we can make a few tweaks that would have a wild impact on show-up rates, conversions, closings. What is the CTA? Like, where are we at in this journey? And I started realizing, oh, well, maybe this is the entrepreneur kind of like inflection point. Mm. And people kept on saying, well, can I set up a call and can we talk about this? And I'm like, okay. And then I found myself repeating the same things. So it was like the same patterns that people were following into. And I was like, okay, it is what it is, the mastermind. Well, I am a part of a mastermind of tech founders. And it's like a 2000 person group, but you have a cohort. Each cohort is about eight to 10 people. I'm the only girl in a cohort, which is fine. And most, if not all of them are VC backed. In fact, 90% of the group is VC backed. So they come from a very different world of how they're generating money. And so they come from the world of we generate money and then we hire agencies to deploy against everything. We keep on deploying against the big vision, which is very different for bootstrapped companies like myself, right? So my husband, JD and I, we have bootstrapped social curator amongst other businesses. And so our business only works when we get paid. Like no investors, no loans. And so uh, back in June of 2023, we had a launch for Social Curator. And I laid out the launch and then I laid out the manifestations of the launch. And the guys were like, what the hell did you do? And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Like, I'm sorry. They're like, no, no, no. How did you get that many leads? How did you get that conversion? Wait, what are you talking about? And so we have a SaaS offering and they have SaaS offerings and they're like, we've never done it that way. And so they're like, what is this magic you speak of? And I'm like, oh, this is just digital marketing. I mean, and so then they had said, can we hire your team to do this for our business? And I thought to myself, 
there's another business here. But then I realized I don't want to be an agency. That's not my power play. Right. That is not at all what I want to do. And so I started asking myself, is there a better way? Is there an easy way for me to like not have to repeat the same conversations? The clear problem is I have an offer and I need more attention on the offer. And you need a clear mechanism of closing offers in a specific amount of time. And I'm like, I could do that. Mm. I could break down the last eight years and I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars I've paid for consultants on figuring out our methodology of launching and really excited because we're partnering with other SaaS companies to make it as easy as possible for somebody to plug and play the launch model so that they can get their course, their membership, their SaaS offering, launching a podcast or a product. We believe in this mechanism of getting attention, getting conversions, and then growing the business thereafter. Mm. Okay. So that came out of people being really curious about what you're doing and something that you didn't even realize you were sitting on that was such a skill because why? You thought everybody knew this. Yeah. I mean, I figure I'm like, well, you have seven, eight figure businesses. Of course, you know this. And that is a big, I think that's the biggest lesson. Like people are listening, like you assume that other people know what it is you do. Even if you know what you do is special and it's cool, Mm -hmm. you assume more people know it Mm. than they do. Okay, I want to touch on that really fast because I think as women, especially when we go into these rooms and you're one of the only women in this room because tech is like essentially all male, great. But when we go into these rooms, whether it's like, you know, a woman joining an all-female mastermind, whatever it is, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is to not talk about what we do well or not brag on ourselves or not Mm. share where we're actually at. Like, I don't know about you, but the first year I was in a mastermind, I was like a quiet mouse and nobody even knew who I was at the first one I went to. And I was like, why did I do that? So can you tell me about like how you are now able to talk about yourself and like, what does it feel like when you do it? Does it feel good or is it still weird? How did you get the confidence to make sure that you're seen in these rooms? I don't, you know what, Lori, I don't know if I'm there yet. I'll just be honest. I wish I was like, okay, let me tell you how I do. I wear my big hoops and I go on like, guys, listen. No, I am still, I am still that quiet mouse. I've always, as a child, so this is another thing that we share. So we're like, I grew up very overweight. So I was obese as a child. I weighed more than my dad. I shopped in the extra plus section when I was 11 years old. And I think that as a result of being a daughter of an immigrant, we grew up really poor. I was very overweight. I didn't want people to notice me. Right. I was actively wanting to be the wallflower. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden in life, I still hold on to those wallflower tendencies, even though I don't want to, even though I know that they don't serve me, I have always been the observer. So I will walk into a room and then I watch, how is the game being played? Hmm. And then I watch, who do I feel safe with? Who's here for what? I do quick mental calculations. And then I figure out, okay, this is how I'm the same and this is how I'm different. Mm. And then probably for the first 20% of anything, 20% of a cocktail mixer, 20% of a gala, 20% of a mastermind meeting, it's going to be shut up and watch what's going on here. And it's only then when I feel like I know what to say and how to say it. And I will say that I've come a long way being able to say what it is I know, but I'm not so forthcoming on the front end of it still. So how I did, so I'm going to express appreciation for understanding how I could speak better of myself. And for me, I don't see this as a general rule of thumb. For me, I became very empowered 
when I got very specific with knowing my numbers. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing that in male-dominated spaces, they went down to distinctly what is the business doing? What is the cost of customer acquisition? What is the LTV? What is, I mean, all of these data points that I kind of sort of-ish knew, but I didn't have a way to distill them all together. So now I have a numeric map of everything. Like, honestly, Lori, if you were to put me in a pitch room, no, I'm not looking for venture capital, but if you were, I feel like pretty dang confident that I could pitch, know my numbers, convey a future vision and explain exactly what I need and why the business is evaluated the way that it would be, even without outside evaluation, because I know our numbers backwards and forward. And because I know that, I think that any question that anybody asks me ever about the business, I can confidently look at them and say, I know what I'm doing. And I know that I can be an entrepreneur and play this game because I know this. I am empowered. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I had a consulting session with an entrepreneur and she's incredible, like powerful, doing amazing, incredible things. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it to you straight. They're going to look at you and they're going to think that because you look like X, you could just put something out and say, we, it's out there. They think that of you. So get your numbers before you meet with this group. Get your numbers in order, know them backwards and forward and understand that while you could, if you wanted to say we, when you launch, you know, that behind the we is a whoa. So go on. We will. We will. <laughs> we will. We go from we to whoa. We will. Yes. Um, okay. I, I love hearing this, the, the different perspectives as well, because I think a lot of people listening from just the different rooms that I've, I've been in, it's such an intimidation factor in the beginning of being in those rooms, but you can still be quiet. Absolutely. And you can still be successful yes. and you can go and you were reminding me of how I've done a lot of just learning in these different rooms is like just being a listener. If I don't have things to add yet, I'm not going to add them Amen. confidently. Amen. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, we're good. Hi, everyone. I'm just here to listen right now. And then I can go try them in the safety of my own team or a small launch yes. or whatever yes. that looks like to go try it on until I actually have data where I can go into the room and, and give something hopefully maybe valuable. But there is a point now where I do feel like you do need to walk into a room and confidently say, let's just say one of the masterminds we were we're at together. Like you have to confidently say who you are and what you've done well. Like that is so scary mm -hmm. because you can't go in like, eh, I'm kind of okay. And I'm just like this or that, because that's not what certain people in certain rooms are looking for. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to that place? And do you have a vulnerability hangover afterward? It's so funny. I mean, are we going to go there? Am I going to be honest? Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, please lie. <laughs> uh, well, there's a way. There's a way. There's a packaging. Okay. So I don't know. The first time I heard this was like a few months ago. It's called the nice sandwich. Oh. So where if you have something like like um, to, to say that's very specific or like a very strong piece of feedback that you have to sandwich it by like a nice piece of bread, feedback, nice piece of bread. Okay. And I'm just like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Uh, probably because I grew up eating burritos. So I'm just yeah. like, it's all me, Here's baby. All the shit. It's all me. <laughs> like, just eat it. Like, it's all one bite. There's no niceness here. Um, and so I, I think that sometimes when I'm on podcast, I'm like, okay, is it nice sandwich time? Mm. Um, and so I think the more honest I am, I, I do one of two things, Lori. Yeah. I either attract people in my orbit or I repel. Mm. And I know that that's not for everybody, but it serves me best. I don't mm. need anybody being lukewarm about how they feel. I would rather somebody watch or listen to this podcast and say, she is not for me. Yeah. I'm great with that. I'm fine with that. And so what I'm about to say will probably put you in one of those two camps. Whenever we go around and do an introduction of who you are and what you do, mm -hmm. it is the people who use the most words 
who are the most insecure or uncertain about the nature of their business. Mm. When you have to use 47 words to describe what it is you do, when the strongest in the room can do it in 15, Mm. you're automatically indicating the weakness. It is our job as visionaries and CEOs to succinctly convey the problem we solve, the success rate, and for whom. Mm. And so it took me a long time to realize that. And now, um, recently, or towards the end of last year, I went to a leadership retreat, again, 35 men, and I was the only woman, and we all had to stand in a circle and talk about what it is we do. And the facilitator specifically said, this is not your CV. This is not a pitch. Less words is more. Like, the cue was given. Right. And the newer, smaller, more novice entrepreneurs were going on like it's the Gettysburg Address. And the strongest people who had done the most impressive stuff had packaged this is what we do. This is who we serve. This is our performance. This is what we want. Mm. And so how did I get to that point? By watching, mm. watching what the most successful people in the room did and then working like hell to figure out how can I show up like that even if I'm not that? How do I show up as if I am that thing? Mm. And I think I've only got that by watching for a while. So this is such an important lesson. I didn't even know we were going to get this lesson, but so, so good because when you get the opportunity to be in these rooms, whatever they are. Everyone can think of one who's on this podcast. It's like, boy, I would love to be in that room. Mm -hmm. How you show up matters so much. And Chris and I are actually, we're, we're, we're going to be hosting a a networking event. Yes. And we're, we want to teach this particular thing because so so many people get in these rooms and we notice that they waste time. They babble on, they actually lose people so quickly. They lose attention. They lose attention that they should have gotten and people write them off because they're over talking. They're over explaining. They're doing things that I'm like, these are social kind of like norms that people assume everybody knows or should learn or these social intricacies. Thank you so much. That, People should know and learn that that is so important in business and to have your message be heard. Yep. And it's not going to be heard if you're over talking. So I love that you said, how do the successful people package it and how do they speak? And just going into rooms like that and saying, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to learn and I'm going to watch. And the most valuable thing for me is going to be from other people, not me talking. That has been huge for me moving forward. And business is less words. Absolutely. So next intro, I'm just going to be like, I'm a marshmallow. And I'm going to be um, yes, you are marshmallow. You're like Three delightful, words. sweet, and I did. you know, like somebody. I mean, anyway, I was like, I was trying to make it. I was trying to extend sweet, it. I did sometimes sweet, fluffy. Sometimes no, <laughs> never fluffy. Um, so Dale Carnegie said it best. He said, "Your business will go farther being genuinely interested in two other people than trying to get two hundred people interested in you." So the extension of packaging what you do and who you serve and the value you have to other people in the room. Once you do that, that is like baby step number one. And then having the power and the wherewithal that even though you can say something doesn't mean you should say something. Because there is the difference of saying something that's been said in a different way, which adds no value. And then there is a way of saying something that's slightly different, that is a different vantage point that adds value. So always in the back of your mind, ask yourself, am I saying the same thing or am I 
having a countering opinion or a different vantage point of the same opinion. And then another component of elongating that is listening to what people aren't saying or maybe subtly saying, and then having the ability to go and step away to the bar, to the bathroom, off to the side and write down notes of things that you might be able and ways you might be able to connect with other people. And so an example of this, I was sitting at a dinner and we start talking about life and there was an entrepreneur who was probably, you know, 10 years younger than I am. And he had like talking about this girl he's in love with and how his business and his personal life sometimes don't ever intermix. And so then I went back and I made a note to follow up because he was going to have a big like DTR over the weekend with this girl. And I'm just meeting this guy for the first time. And so I made myself a note to follow up and just send him a note and let him know that I hope that that conversation went really well. And another time, you and I, we were in Sundance, Utah, and we are having conversations with different people. And one of the people that we were there with had mentioned, oh, he just loves honey. Like honey is like his love language. But then he talked about how New Zealand honey is a different kind of honey. And so then I brought up my phone later and I just wrote New Zealand honey. Mm-hmm. And so then as a way to say thank you for hosting us, I just looked up what's the best New Zealand honey. And so when you do things, when people aren't aware of them or just say, oh, I remember I overheard you talking that you needed a podcast editor. Let me put you in contact with somebody. Mm. When you care more about their business, you are creating lifelong evangelist for who you are as a founder and a business owner than trying to get them interested in helping you. They will want to help you once you've done something for them that came completely unexpected. And I think Mm. that doing that is a really great brand extension when you're Mm. networking. Oh my God. That right there is like one of the most important things for building your network. Like it's, it's the long game. Yes. And people remember those. I remember all of those moments that people do and whether you actually physically remember them, they come to your brain. There is something in your brain that happens that makes a connection to that person that you're more likely to think of them, suggest them, want to work with them again, say they're an amazing person. All of these things that really do matter in business. It all comes down, I believe to your network and what you know about the people. Oh, you're the queen of it though. Oh my gosh. the queen of building out a network in the most kind, genuine, and thoughtful ways. Well, you just gave me the best tips ever. I'm like, I did not think to do little notes like that. Like Um, that is so, and I forget pretty easily. So I'm like, that will be such a good thing for me to just jot down. Absolutely. On your notes app. And then it syncs up with your notes on your laptop. And so sometimes I'm there, I'm like, oh yeah, let me just do that right now. That is so good. The New Zealand honey. I remember that conversation. Wow. This is so good. So let's get back to your project this year. Okay. It's called Your Biggest Launch Ever. Your biggest launch ever. This is the best name, by the way, Jasmine. I'm sure you're very happy when you concluded that this was the name. Yes. And you know, oh my gosh, you know, I reached out to you. I was like, Lori, what are your AI secrets? I'm like, I need to name this thing. And I and I, get, I had a list of criteria of the things that I wanted to, and you gave really good feedback and you, and I just sat with it. And I'm like, I want it to be so simple. Like mm. I want somebody to look at the title because I think in the past I've tried getting clever. Mm. I've tried getting cute. I've done that. Clever and cute are great for like ideas. And when you're talking with your girlfriend, it's like, oh my God, that's so cute. But I think that it was so much easier for me to say, if the name can distill what the offer is, then I feel like we're winning. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I wanted to do. And we kind of banged it out with the team and I felt good. 
I feel yeah, really good. It's so good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I did the whole cute thing as well. I, I did know, it. With, unfortunately, I did it with a book, so I was like, <laughs> oh, I should have, um, I should have rethought that one. I understand now why. I was like, this is so great. It's about it's like a this group I used to listen to, Tribe Called Quest. Yes. Like nobody knows who they are. Girl, I do, I do. I got you. But here's the thing: it actually, even if it was cute, you definitely at drew a line in the sand. Be like, do you get me or not? And it's like Tribe Called Quest. Hey. That is so yes. true. So okay, so your biggest launch ever. Yes. What, who, why? So, <laughs> you know, um, after serving people in the mastermind, after being a part of the mastermind, I knew that there was a gap in the market. And so I love playing to the gaps. I, I want to be very clear. This is for the entrepreneur who has something they're about to be done with or it's already been on the market. And so what happens is I do best with somebody who has concrete facts. I don't do well. Like if somebody hires me for a consulting session and it's all esoteric, like this idea of, and then I say, well, have you done this or tried that? And they're like, we will. It's a futile conversation for me. I love when people have done something, yeah. period. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be anything you're even proud of. It's just the fact that it's done. Now we have something to work with. And so to me, there are these like really small, powerful tweaks that somebody can make to their membership if they launch a course. And so this exact launch model is what we've used to launch everything since 2016. Now, of course, we've made iterations to it. We've hired consultants to figure out how do we make it better. But there are distinct mechanisms to follow that will get a better result. And so the class that we're teaching is how to create a promotional launch plan and double your revenue in 60 days. Mm. That's a big freaking promise. Mm -hmm. And at first I battled with the team because I'm like, you guys, we're saying that somebody can double the revenue in 60 days. And they just looked back at me and they're like, but that's what you did. And then all of a sudden it was somebody had to hold a mirror up and say, good job. Yeah. Good job for doing something freaking otherwise mm -hmm. incomprehensible. I never even gave, I didn't even, it makes me sad even saying this. Mm. I didn't even like myself enough to say what you did was freaking magic. Mm. I just did it because my back was against a wall. So as a photographer, my husband and I had built this great career. We had great income. It was amazing, but we had worked ourselves into the 1% of the 1%. And then all of a sudden we realized we're trading hours for dollars and there had to be something different. So I joined a mastermind and I'm sitting there and on day one, um, they go around and they explain what a hot seat is. I don't know what a hot seat is. I'm like, a hot seat? What is this? And essentially, if you're listening and you don't know what a hot seat is, it's like you go through with like um, the most important question you want to ask. And you want everybody in the room to speak to that one question. And so other people are in there speaking a totally different language. Like, I'm trying to increase our LTV and our EPL and our conversion rate. And I'm like, what are these people saying? Like, what the heck? And so then I get into my hot seat and I'm sitting very much in a chair like this. And I'm looking at all of these people who have built seven-figure businesses. Now, I had built a seven-figure business, but the way we had done it had been so different. I had a business online mm. and they had built online businesses. They were leading with this mechanism that was so foreign to me. So then all of a sudden I go in and my big question on day one, what is a webinar? How do I do it? And then everybody in the room is like, who let her in? <laughs> I, I'm looking around and they're like, it is such a freaking Googleable question that they're like, are we really going to spend 20 minutes here? And they, they're looking at the host and they're like, is this a joke? And so Did then, you know you had asked like a question you should know at that no, point? No, I didn't. Right. I, I was like, everybody, you did here, totally everybody here must be wondering like this webinar is secret magic. It's a new thing. Um, and so they were very kind but, and they had a good few starting off points. And then the next day, 
a woman who I'd never met before. Her name was Amy Porterfield. Mm. She was the guest speaker. <laughs> this is amazing. I know. And so then Amy Porterfield comes in and speaks to this group. I think there was like 16 of us. And she talks about how her courses, like what she's done in her career, she's made over $100 million using webinars to sell courses. So this is the audacity or the stupidity or the brilliance, I don't know, of me the day before saying, what is a webinar? To watching a woman who's done over $100 million. And then I say, I could do that. What the hell? What? Where does that even come from? And so I think, though, if I go back and I say, oh, poor you, Jasmine, was it's like the Serena and Venus William effect, right? When they've got signed, they're 14, 15 years old, they get signed by Nike. And all of a sudden, all these young girls are looking at them saying, that too is possible. And so, so many entrepreneurs like myself at the time, I look at that and I'm like, oh, I want to launch like the digital marketing version of Venus and Serena. I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, what we do is we say, I see you at Wimbledon and I see you at the U.S. Open. But what we don't see is the 15 years of eight-hour day practices. And we don't see are the losses and we don't see the training. We don't see the sacrifice. We want the Wimbledon moment. Mm -hmm. But so many of us forsake what we need to do to put in the practice. Mm -hmm. And so now, eight years later, I'm looking at Amy as a peer and as a friend. And while I am in no way, shape or form that level of launching, what I can say is we found a methodology that truly does work. We found a methodology that I pulled off in 60 days. And if somebody wants to put in that level of work to launch something differently than they ever have before, then this is the answer to it. And I think that feels really great to say. It's also very scary and it's also very freaking exciting. I'm so excited. I've Thank gotten you, to spend a lot of time with you in either masterminds or following you or listening to your content or listening to your podcast. You truly are one of the people who I think teaches this so well. Like, I think you're such a good teacher. Thank you. And you're so linear, which is so opposite of me. So I love <laughs> it. I'm like, keep talking. This is interesting. And I love how much you love data. And I think for anybody listening who has launched their program before and is feeling a little bit lost or unsure, you are so powerful with empowering them by teaching them what to look at and how and not making it scary. Mm. So I think this is going to be so huge for the right people. So who exactly, just so they know again, who exactly exactly is the right person for this. If you have a product that can be bought digitally mm -hmm. and, you know, even for people who are product-based, like honestly for Glossy, mm. I would absolutely be hosting a webinar. And that is not the way traditionally products are sold, right? There's a different mechanism. But I think like in a pre-existing market, what is the best way to tap into people's attention? Now, I don't think that anybody's going to be like, I want to sign up to a class so I could be sold glossy. Of course not. But that's not why people tune in to QVC either, right? They don't tune in because they want to buy something. They want to see what I'm, what's out there. What am I missing? What can I be educated on? And so then if you were to hold a summit or a one-hour session of how to change your skin and you have three different levels, like, you know, it's like you have a T-zone oily, or you have acne, or you have bloating issues, and you have like this class where you go in and you teach people different mechanisms, all sanctified, sanctified, sanctioned, and sanctified, yes, by holy doctors, like what it means to work on your skin from the inside out. So somebody's learning something, they feel powerful. They're not just being sold glossy, although that could be a component of it, they're being sold a lifestyle. And so all of a sudden, you become the conveyor of great things in their life. Mm. And if glossy is a part of that product, then all of a sudden you've educated an audience to become future buyers. There is a mechanism of tapping into education. Mm. There is a mechanism of tapping into somebody feeling really great. So the dopamine hit of somebody learning something is almost the same as them doing it. Mm. 
So if you talk in great detail about how you felt after your six mile run down Santa Monica and you went through in every step and you talked about the streetlights and then the sweat and you got to the end and you heard, you know, a tribe called Quest playing on a boom box down by Muscle Beach and you took a deep breath and then you walked back. Exactly. Right. So (laughs) I'm feeling as you're explaining, my dopamine levels are going closer to as if I ran the six miles. So if we know that human to human, we convey in the same way, if you could sit there and walk me through the journey of what it would mean to have skin that I feel great in, that I feel healthy about, that I have all these benefits, the dopamine hit of me changing my life and opening packs of glossy and adding them to my water is just the same as if I'd already bought the product. Now, if you get somebody to that part of their buying journey, they're sold. Mm. They're sold. I'm doing a webinar. I'm so... <laughs> It's so funny. I was thinking of it and I was thinking of what it can be. And you just completely affirmed what that could look like. Oh, I love it. So Laurie, I'm going to yes! talk. We're going to, we're going to also welcome, be a part of, <laughs> of Jasmine's, your biggest <laughs> launch ever. Um, and we'll write a testimony. Hey, yes, girl. Just, yes. I'm going to require your, of course. your time. But after actually, this. that would be great because, you know, wh- while we're not at all saying like this is the way products should be, I just do think it's like a very interesting like space to dwell. But generally speaking, the best fit is going to be if you have a membership. If you have a SaaS offering, if you have a course, if you have a video series, if you have an ebook, like things like that, that's like I'm watching something and I could click to buy. We see like the most powerful conversion metric by way of education. I love that you even talked about a physical product though, because what I'm learning is being in the, the physical product world, I think there's actually, they're leaving so much on the table, not learning about this world yes. as well, because there's such a beautiful crossover that if we all came together, it would be like actually bananas. Mm-hmm. Like, you just so, need to prove it. You, you need prove to prove it. I'm going to prove it. And then, you know, by 2025, great. you're on podcast talking about this crazy new way that you did something to revolutionize yeah. the way that products are sold. I think that's very interesting. And I think that there's nobody better to lead it than you. Great. Done. 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 So, so easy. <laughs> as, if you as if you don't have a billion things going on right now. But really, but really, it's the, it goes back to what the beginning of this podcast, what we were talking about, like making sure that you stay in your skill set and your zone of genius. And yes. truly, that is my skill set and zone of genius is learning, like bringing that portion of how I know how to sell. Mm. to a physical product. Love it. So instead that of is. totally trying to rewrite something and like, how do how do I even learn how to right. do this? Like That's how are products me. sold in 2024? Yeah, like absolutely. however that is, don't do it because you're already behind the curve. Exactly. Create the new How way. do you sell yeah. it? How do you sell things? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, well, this was so amazing. Thank you, Mari. I went into some vortex. I don't even know. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. I cried. I'm going to go burn a boat. <laughs> you said, I'll give you a match. So, I'll give you a match. <laughs> um, but if people are interested in signing up yes. for this class because education, jasminestar.com forward slash launch. Okay. Jasminestar.com. Okay. Forward slash launch. We're going to put that in the show notes, you guys. We're going to put it everywhere. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I adore you. You guys, one of the biggest things we can do for Jasmine is to obviously go join this program because it's going to change your life and your business, but also go follow her and let her know what your biggest takeaway was. It's always nice to know who was listening. So what is your Instagram handle? At Jasmine Star. At Jasmine, so you can't forget that name, you guys. Yeah. Literally. Okay. Until next time, everyone, earn your happy. Bye-bye. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you feel inspired to take action towards your goals. And remember, friend, you are more than capable of living the life you dream of. We'll see you next time.